Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We're joined today by the famous Sid Mallory. And if you don't know Sid, you need to. Uh, he's one of those individuals that uh, I really hold in high regard for his integrity and his wisdom and his insight. And uh, I've asked him today to join us on the podcast. So, Sid, thank you for taking your time today. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, look forward to having a good discussion. Great. Well, I don't know anybody that I have more confidence in when it comes to capital campaigns than Sid. There's a, a, a number of really good professional advisors out there. Sid's one of them. He's right at the top of the list. And so I, I've got a few questions, Sid, if you don't mind, that I can ask you about uh, capital campaigns. And just would love to hear your wisdom. Before we do that, if you would, tell us uh, your position with your company and your company's name. Well, Eddie, I'm one of the principals of Henderson Mallory Partners. Uh, we're based in Austin, Texas. Um, my background, I'm an accountant, uh, many years in public accounting, and this is my 28th year now in fundraising, primarily uh, in healthcare. But about eight years ago, uh, Mary Henderson, my wife, and I formed our company. And we're, again, we work with um, all types of not-for-profits all over the, the country, and a lot of it is in healthcare, uh, capital campaigns or campaigns. We call them more today comprehensive campaigns. Uh, I, I was, I just am amazed at the number of campaigns that are occurring around the country in healthcare, uh, mainly because of the changes, of course, in the in the reimbursements and the way that uh, healthcare organizations will will be reimbursed. But it is a timely uh, topic, and uh, uh, again, our services range all the way from startups to major campaigns of me being an accountant, as you might guess, I also do a lot of planned giving. Uh, and one of the things that I'm sure we'll chat about briefly is the ever-increasing role of planned giving now in the campaigns that, that uh, we see. So I'm ready for your questions. Great. Well, what are, what are, you, what are some of the changes that you've seen in, in your career in uh, capital campaigns? You know, I guess the last five years especially, Eddie, the, the, the goals have been ever increasing uh, because, again, uh, not only in healthcare but in the not-for-profit world in general, funding is uh, really at a premium and the competition for the healthcare, excuse me, for the philanthropic dollar uh, is just as dramatic as, as I've ever seen it. And what, besides larger goals, what we're seeing are campaigns that are much more major gift initiative type activities than, than you would normally, than, than what you would think of as a traditional capital campaign structure. Uh, and this has, been, this has been brought on by these ever-increasing goals and uh, the needs of our not-for-profit uh, organizations, and so uh, we, you know, we're seeing again uh, organizations that maybe need to raise ten to twenty million dollars, and they are instead of recruiting a giant volunteer cadre, what they're doing is recruiting a very high-profile, uh, what we call a, a major gift initiative steering committee. 
uh, of maybe 10 or so, maybe 12 really high-profile community volunteers. And they, they then are beginning to understand where the uh, high potential donors are in their particular service area. And they begin to target maybe the top 50. And uh, that committee, along with the staff, really begin to work it from the, you know, the highest potential uh, on down. And, you know, we've seen campaigns in the 10 to $20 million range completed with less than 20 gifts. And, and I think you're going to see that more and more as time goes on uh, because, A, uh, our pool of volunteers, unfortunately, is shrinking because everyone is busy uh, and there are a lot of demands on your, your really influential people. Uh, and, B, the need has created, you know, the, the, uh, the need to raise this money and the, the quickness has created the need to really have some fast-moving structure that can that can really react to a need in a hurry. And secondly, uh, we see a lot of combination giving now in, in uh, capital campaigns. Again, because the goal is so high, uh, and it's not uncommon for a donor to make a substantial uh, current gift or pledge and combine that with a planned gift and. Um, that's really how some of these large campaigns are, are being successful. So those are really the two things that we, uh, you know, I guess the two things that stick out in my mind more uh, than anything. You know, it sounds to me, Sid, listening to you talk, uh, and thought of this in a long time, it sounds like capital campaigns are kind of reverting to what they were 20 or 30 years ago, really limited number of donors for a specific amount of time, pretty short in time frame. And, uh, right. And, and you know, and then they continue a strong major guest program uh, outside of that capital campaign to make sure they have the unrestricted dollars that are needed. Well, and as you know, Eddie, campaigns used to uh, years ago, uh, back when I had hair, uh, you know, when I first got <laughs> into this, uh, you know, years ago, you did a campaign, you waited three or four years uh, to, to let everyone uh, pledge payment period expire, and then you started to, to plan the next, and that's no longer uh, in any way, shape, or form doable because, again, of the rapid need for to raise the money. And so just what you said, this structure allows what I call targeted fundraising for specific needs, and you've then got other major, you know, you, if you can target your top 50 that have an interest in that particular area that you're trying to raise the money for, your major gift team that's not working on this can then continue to do exactly what you describe uh, and that keep a robust program going uh, along with a robust plan giving program. So I, I think the day of having the luxury of stopping and starting and long-term planning for campaigns, although it's still being done, my guess is that over time, most campaigns are going to be done in the manner that I've described. Well, I agree 100%. And really, I think it's the better way of doing it. It's, it's been proven in the past. And uh, Well, let me ask you, if well, I ask one other question. Well, go ahead. Sure, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I have, other, I have one other question. Um, so I, I agree. I think that's probably the biggest change. What do you think, if you had to give four or five bullet points, what is crucial in really being successful? 
in having a capital campaign? What are the four or five things that are just absolutely necessary to be successful? Hey, I apologize. I dropped my earpiece. Uh, oh. I think your question was the what are the major four or five things that you need to be to have to be successful in a campaign? Is yes. that the question? Correct. You know, I think it, it starts with the case, and that's always uh, been the it's always been the top thing in my view. Uh, if you have a well thought out case for support that uh, really has good business plans with it and good strategies with it because our donor base, especially your your potential major donors to a major gift initiative type activity, these are business people and they give like they run their businesses. And so number one, you have to have a case that really uh, they can identify with and they can understand. Number two, you have to have a well-trained staff uh, that has the infrastructure and resources they need uh, to be successful in executing uh, any kind of an initiative. Thirdly, uh, as always, the, the strength of your volunteers and making sure that uh, you do have the right people of influence and these folks are able to exercise and are willing to exercise their sphere of influence. Obviously, you've got to have a donor base that has been researched and identified and segmented and rated uh, for uh, the types of gifts that you need, especially in a major gift initiative. Uh, and you know, I don't want to say lastly, but of equal support is you need the support of the leadership of the organization and their involvement along with your board's involvement. So, you know, all of those things I think really tend to make a, uh, a, a Well, I tell you, I don't think you could have added any more than that, Sid. That was uh, almost the perfect answer. If, if someone, uh, I want to respect your time. We've gone a little bit longer than I promised you we would go. Oh, no problem. If, no problem. It's, if someone wanted to reach out and uh, ask you some questions, do you mind sharing either your telephone number or your email address or both, or maybe even your website? Whatever, whatever's the best way to reach you. What's the best? Sure, way? my uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, our my email address is Sid S I D at Henderson Mallory, all one word, and that's H E N D E R S O N M A L L O R Y dot com, Sid at HendersonMallory dot com. Uh, my direct line is very code six one two three eight six six zero one four, and they can find us online at HendersonMallory dot com. So um, I would welcome an opportunity to chat at any time, and uh, hey, I, I, I appreciate your uh, allowing me to visit with you and uh, really appreciate all you and your company do for the not-for-profit world around the country. And uh, as I was telling you, uh, we have several clients that uh, use your services and I hear nothing but great things. So thank you for what you're doing. Sid, thanks for taking today. Thanks for uh, being a great leader in our industry. and. I appreciate you taking time to visit with us. So we visit with Sid uh, Mallory. We wish you the very best. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Take care.